Hello, and welcome to Witchy Woman Podcast. I'm your host, Today Sweet, and this is episode 71. Today, I wanted to give you just a little update on what is going on before I get into this exciting interview that I got to do. So we are doing and starting psychic development classes in the WW Coven. So if you would like to join the coven, go to witchywomanpodcast.com, click on uh, join the coven, and that will get you into all of our classes. You can go back and look at the classes that we've already had and totally do those. There's no like timeline for these. Just do the classes at your own uh, pace or with us. It's whatever. (laughs) We are free-flowing in that group. Um, What else? Oh, so I was going to do the live episode on on June 2nd, but I decided I wanted to have it on my birthday. So we're going to do a live episode on June 4th. I will have all the information uh, in our group, Witchy Woman Friends, as well as the main page, Witchy Woman Podcast. I am going to do a live episode through Podbean. Now, this allows you guys to call in uh, to the show live. You can ask me questions, do whatever. Um, You can also text in. I will have guests that you can speak with. I'm just pretty freaking stoked about it. I figured I wanted to spend my birthday with you guys. So I'll have all the information for that uh, in the show notes and in the groups. So stay tuned for that. What else is going on? It actually feels like spring here in Nebraska. I hate to even say that because I was looking at my Facebook, you know, those memories that pop up and there was a blizzard like two days ago in my, my memories. There was a blizzard here in Nebraska at this time. So Hopefully, Mother Nature has expended all the winter energy that it wants to send out and is ready for some warmth because I am ready, (laughs) ready to soak up some vitamin D. I don't know about you guys, but quarantine has got me a tad bit (laughs) uh, antsy. I've got cabin fever like there's no tomorrow, so I'm pretty excited about the warm weather. My plants are budding and sprouting. I have a baby. Um, I've got baby black mugwort. I have, what else popped up? Oh, I, uh, shit. What was it? Oh, mandrake popped up. Some poppies. What else? Um, henbane. I got black henbane that just sprouted recently. So I'm so excited about all my plants. I get real nerdy and excited about my baby plants. Um, So I think that's all I have before we get into it. So I fangirled. I probably made a fool of myself. I'm super sorry to Danielle if I sounded like an overeager child when I was talking to her. I tried to curb that part of me, but I'm pretty sure I failed in that. So I'm very excited to introduce Danielle Dulski. She is a heathen visionary, pagan poet, and word witch. She's the author of Seasons of the Moon and Flame, The Holy Wild, and Woman Most Wild. She teaches internationally and has facilitated circles and communal spell work and rituals since 2007. She's the founder of the Hag School and believes in the emerging power of the wild collectives, cunning witches, and the rebellious artists in healing our ailing world. I seriously am so excited for you guys to hear this interview. Um, before I go into the interview, you can learn more about her at danieldolsky.com. I will have those links in all my groups, all social media, and in the show notes. Oh my gosh. Seriously, so excited. This was my number one dream interview when I came into 2020. I have it on my like 
to-do list, and it is amazing that I got to do this with her. So I am very, very grateful to her and her people for allowing uh, me to interview her and have her come on my show. I feel super humbled. Seriously, after the interview, I had imposter syndrome like there's no tomorrow. Like I got off the interview and was like, oh my god, what did I say? She probably thinks I'm a freaking idiot. Like I I totally went through that for like... (laughs) Well, I still am going through that. I can't believe that I got to talk to her. And um, I hope that I didn't screw up the interview too much. (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay, so I'm going to stop babbling and just let you guys listen to this interview. So thank you. Seriously, thank you so much for doing this. I have been fangirling ever since I got the book. (laughs) (laughs) amazing. I I was talking to my friend. I was like, this is a manifestation thing. At the beginning of the year, I made goals for my podcast. And number one goal was to have you come on and, and talk to my listeners about your books and your writing. And so. Yeah. Well, yay. Here I am. Yes. Yes. So Danielle Dosky is with us. She is a heathen visionary, pagan poet, and Wordwitch, the author of the newest book, Seasons of the Moon and Flame, The Holy Wild, and Woman Most Wild, which all three are amazing books and kind of watched the evolution of all of this through all three books. And so thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Danae. Very happy to be here. So I have, before I go into the questions that I know, the cookie cutter ones that everybody's going to want to know, I have had one question on my mind since I read the first book. Okay. Are you channeling when you write? Because it feels so much deeper than human words. You know what I mean? So I've always wondered if you're in some kind of meditative state and you channel these beautiful words. Yeah. Um... People ask me that a lot, and I think the answer is sometimes I am, and most of the time I'm not. Mm-hmm. Uh, but sometimes I am. Sometimes, and I can tell only when I go back and read it, and I'm like, "Who wrote that?" <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. I wondered. There's some stuff, and I and I marked this because. I started reading this and then I had to put it down because COVID happened and then I picked it back up and I reread it post COVID and (laughs) at the beginning of there's a a passage called way of the witch and it's fractal and you start talking about the earth and how the earth and humanity are at odds right now and it's going to take something to bring us to our knees to beg for forgiveness basically and I was like you like this felt so prophecy, like prophecy-like when I was reading this. I had to stop and take a picture of that whole page and send it to my friend. I'm like, holy crap. Did you know, I mean, have you, do you do any kind of divination work? Um, have you been known to prophesize anything like that? Yeah, I, I, I knew and know that that something is happening, that this is like the great unraveling. Um, my other witch friends and I were joking that that we were proven right before we expected to be. Like we were yes. thinking autumn, late mm-hmm. autumn, something was going to happen, something was coming. So I don't know if this is the beginning of that or what, but um, but yeah, I I I did feel that something was coming. 
I do. But I, I, I love that. I love that you, that you are in tune like that and that it came out in a book. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I thought it was very timely. So yeah. as far as your books go, and, and this one in particular, um, you, you're a witch, you identify, you claim that word witch. If somebody didn't, do they have to claim that word in order to understand or appreciate this book? Oh, no, not at all. I think that that's probably true for all three of my books. It's, mm -hmm. it's not important. I think, you know, it, 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 it requires all sorts of different conditions and I think external support mechanisms and, and like, you know, bathroom epiphanies also in order to claim the name witch as your own and so you know if it's part of your journey great and if not um i hope that you still enjoy reading books about witches written by witches <laughs> right there needs to be more of those <laughs> yeah yeah yes. the witch curious they are they're yes. very much my audience also oh i i would imagine i I wish that this would have come out, this, this kind of writing and insight was available to me or that I knew about it back when I was going through things, which was pre-internet. So I couldn't just get on the internet and yeah. Google stuff. Yeah. Um, I was at <laughs> the mercy of like secret trips to Barnes and Noble to snag whatever kind of witchcraft book I could find. Yeah. So I really, I think that this generation of the witch curious or the, the witches are mm -hmm. definitely um, a step ahead and and very privileged to be able to have stuff like this at their at their disposal whenever they want to read something they can just do it <laughs> yeah right exactly and that's why i always say like bow down to the shopkeepers like mm -hmm. i don't own a shop or you know a witch store but th those were my original teachers like oh, yeah. the you know the the weird owners of, <laughs> of the witch mm -hmm. shops that would sort of yep. be like not maybe not answering my questions, but sometimes answering my questions. It was sure. like, but they were my original teachers. Absolutely. And I, that's my favorite way to learn if I can get to it, but I live in the middle of nowhere. So it's hard for me to connect physically, you know, face to face with any other like-minded individuals. So I appreciate the internet as much as it's cussed. <laughs> I do appreciate the internet for that role in my spirituality. So yeah. while we're talking about the witch curious and social media and all that. So how do you feel? So I feel like this is a whole new season of the witch. I think in the nineties, when I grew up, there was that huge resurgence with the craft and social media or pop culture in general really, really was exposing and that the word witch to everybody and people caught on. And I feel like this is happening again with the help of social media. So how do you feel about the, the, the young witches that are, that are coming through this as a trend? Yeah, I, I think that it, what I say to them is, you know, if you're coming to it because it's trendy, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> However you get there is fine. Exactly. Um, I think that there is a certain component of uh, modern witchcraft that is very palatable and kind of sexy um, and can be like alluring and sort of people's gateway in yes. um, and that that's okay. I, I don't get annoyed by that or, or you know, I, I, I I don't have a, a very strong opinion about it. Right. Uh, and it's actually been really good for me <laughs> in cool. terms of work. Um, 
but 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 once you're there there's something to finding those edges that still kind of feel like they bite a little bit that feel a little bit challenging uh, because those are the places where we dig out our indoctrinated beliefs so the more acceptable and palatable the word which becomes you know there's always another word so it's starting to move toward the center and i think that witches need to be concerned with what's more on the fringes when things start to move toward the center it's not that they're not interesting anymore it's just that you know, the, the the witch has always kind of been the outcast who exists on the fringes, not totally isolated from society where mm-hmm. like nobody can hear her scream, but also not right in the middle either where she risks complete conformity. So finding that kind of liminal space in your practice, regardless of how you, you entered into the craft. Um, yeah, I think that that's, that's usually part of the journey. I think so too. I think it's important that once you start getting comfortable, you stop growing. So, yeah. and for me, in my witchcraft practice, I, I want to grow. And as a person, I want to grow. So for me, anytime in my life I start to feel comfortable, I know that I'm stagnant. Yeah. <laughs> I'm no longer growing. I'm, I'm either conforming or stopping. So I always, that's when I dive into shadow work and try to, to find out what's, what's my next thing. What's the next thing I need to learn or, or to yeah. ingest. <laughs> Right. Yeah. I like that idea. Yeah. Right. I sit with that with myself a lot because I know my own personality and I know how much I love to either be actively like manifesting and changing or like actively banishing and pushing things away and burning my world down. Mm -hmm. And I don't sit so well on the two poles where it's like, you know, let's just sit in fruition or let's just sit in the void. And so I do try to do that in my practice. And that's where the discomfort is for me, actually, is like sitting, sitting in the, you know, look at, look at all you've created. And then like, you know, look at, look at the nothingness that surrounds you right now. Yep. Um, those can be fertile places too. Absolutely. But yeah, very uncomfortable. Very, very. <laughs> so I think with a lot of witches, a lot of, whether you're secular or not, we use the moon. And in your book, you definitely use the moon to create an evolution, um, a way in to expand your practice. Um, how, how do you explain how the moon does that for you? How can that expand our practice? Yeah, so in the book, I, I talk about 13 lunar seasons instead of just the four solar seasons that we're used to, uh, that, we, that we know, that guide our calendar. And I think that for me, the most fundamental thing isn't so much, you know, the moon and, and the mystery tied to the moon and the archetypes tied to the moon and all of that, although that's interesting too, and fertile ground for practice, but it's more that it changes every month, every night, it's, it's changing, right? So um, when people are first coming to their, their witchcraft or whatever their spiritual practice might be, actually, I think the most important thing to recognize is that it's going to change, that there's going to be days where you don't feel like doing it, where you don't uh, change the water on your altar, or you don't uh, go to the moon circle or whatever, and that that's okay. And I think that a lot of newer witches, they feel like that first moment where they're like, oh, I'm kind of bored or this isn't for me. 
they just toss the whole thing out. They're like, mm-hmm. I'm not a witch anymore. Obviously, this was never my thing. Mm-hmm. And that's not the way it is. Like, we we always are constantly changing, just like the moon is. So in the book that I know is kind of uh, overflowing with all of these different rituals and things, <laughs> I wanted to give... Uh, give a reflection that like every, every phase of the moon, we are different. Um, and, you know, some of us live a little bit closer to that knowing, but your spiritual practice is going to constantly ebb and flow with you just like the moon does. So, right. um, so it, you know, it's important to have those kind of touchstone practices that are constant and stay the same, but within those containers, you have such freedom to change uh, even what you believe, let alone mm-hmm. what you do. So, right. um, so yeah, so, the, you know, the moon is sort of a mirror to that just constant changeability. I love that. I love that you said that you can change what you believe. And that's one of the, my, like, I don't know, the things that I love about this path so much is that it can change. It's not a story that can never change. It's always morphing into something else, something better. Sometimes it's worse. Sometimes it's, it's, it's stagnant, but it's always, my beliefs can always change if I decide to, if I, if my soul says, this is no longer what's serving me, I throw that out and I get, grab something that is, I gravitate toward what is serving me. And that's something that I, value very much about the community, the witch community, the pagan community. Most of them are very, very open to that concept. Yeah. And I, I really, really appreciate that statement. Yeah. <laughs> because I get that a lot as I get a lot of messages about, okay, well, I was taught this by my teacher in witchcraft however many years ago. Yeah. Why does it like, I don't believe in that anymore. Am I really a witch? Do I need to claim a different word? And I'm always like, no, you do you boo. That's like kind of my, my like, you know, automatics, you know, statement to them is if it resonates with you, just do it. <laughs> I mean, right. Um, so I like that you said that. So maybe they can identify with that and go, okay, I have the freedom to explore and dive into this. However I see fit. Yeah. And to, and to kind of like track what works for you Mm -hmm. in terms of, well, like if you cast spells, like, like track the spells that have worked, track when they worked, track like, you know, the, what you, exactly what you did, like be sort of like a witch detective. So, you know, you can find out what's yours and what's not. Um, I think that sometimes people confuse the 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 very real level of freedom and autonomy and liberation that's in witchcraft with like not having any discipline whatsoever yeah, no. No. <laughs> you, do, yeah. <laughs> you do need a little bit yeah. of that yes yeah absolutely i am a journal aholic like Me i too. journal everything so if i if i have a spell that i'm going to do i journal before it like this is what i feel about it this is what i want out of it this is what i think i'm going to do and then I will journal afterwards. Like this yeah. is how I feel after I performed it. And then I will update it later. Like it either worked or it flopped yeah. or this happened and I didn't expect it. But I, I have, they're everywhere. I have like little journals. My husband's like, really, do we need any more of these? Yes, yeah. yes we do. <laughs> but that's, for me, that's part of my structure is, is journaling everything. Um, yeah. And I may go overboard just a little bit, but it's what works for me. Might not work for somebody else, but it definitely, is something that I like to do. Yeah. So we were, I was talking to a friend that is new to 
to, to this whole thing. And I mentioned the hag. Mm-hmm. And their first reaction was like the crinkly old crone, you know, and, yeah. and that kind of automatic response is what I think most of society would think if you said hag. And you talk yeah. about this a ton in this book. It's based on, you know, that. So yeah. who is the hag to you and why do we need her in our practice, in our life? Yeah, um, it's a good question. The The first thing I'll say about it is that I think unlike the word witch that I, has, I said has kind of moved toward the center and become more palatable, the word hag hasn't. So I'm always, as a writer, I'm always a little bit more interested in those words yes. that like still kind of sting or, or you know, have these bizarre connotations to them. Um, but the the hag archetype or the crone archetype, and I don't know that at least in my practice that there's a big difference between the hag and the crone, mm-hmm. but it is sort of this the the wise elder who does live kind of in isol not in complete isolation but on the fringes who has this deep medicine who's a storyteller um, who is a little bit feared and so like you know. Your, your friend's reaction about it. I think that that's totally appropriate. You know, there, there's, um, whenever we have negative reactions to words like, like witch or pagan or, or heathen or hag, it's like, go back into childhood and figure out why you think that. And almost always they figure out that it's not their belief at all, but that doesn't mean that they have to completely embrace it and like befriend it and, and it's, feel safe with it. You know, I think that like still having, um, having a relationship with a hag, the hag archetype that is a little bit more um, shadowy, that is a little bit uncomfortable. I think that that's an important piece of it. Um, Because if we're knowing the hag is teacher, then we don't want them to be completely like the soft breasted grandmother, right? We want them to be, uh, to say things that make us uncomfortable to say things that bite a little bit that make us think and yeah and so that's who the hag is to me so in the beginning of the book I talk about my grandmother um and especially my relationship to her when I was like late teenage early 20s years when I would go to her house and and it was always like this particular rhythm that the visits would take I'd be there for two or three hours she'd feed me and then she would like she would bite me like she would like say something that was like what are you doing with your life anyway what are you doing with that guy right and it was like you know a kind of uncomfortable <laughs> uncomfortable <laughs> moment um but then there would all then there would come the integration so you know there would be there would be a story that she shared from her life where it was like here's why i'm asking you that question and so you know that's who the hag is to me it's not always like a comfortable uh bright soft teacher mm-hmm. um that makes you feel good all the time uh, it's someone that makes you think and yes, I, yeah. I, I like that definition. I like that feeling of your definition. Like I'm very feely, like I feel everything. Um, so for <laughs> me, I have to feel a sentence and that, that really, that whole definition of it hits, hits in the right spot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, thank you. So you're talking about your grandma. So 
your elders, elders in the story, the hags in the story are super prominent throughout your book. And you speak about your grandma. And then at one point, I think at the end, you're talking about where you write, you're writing at your grandparents' house. And so that must be very important to you. So mm -hmm. can, can you talk a little bit more about your elders and how they have shaped your life and what role they played? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a good question. I think, you know, we are living in an age of lost elderhood and it's sort of never been more apparent when, you know, the virus is taking over nursing homes and assisted living facilities more than any other places. And um, I grew up, my mom was a night nurse. And so when I was with my parents, which I only was half the time, the other half, I was with my grandparents. Okay. So when I, even when I was with my mom, um, she worked at a nursing home for the more than 20 years. And so my childhood was like, I was either at my grandparents' house or I was in this place and it was like a kind of state run place. Like it wasn't a nice, cushy assistant living facility. <laughs> And the, so my friends there that I would like play cards with and watch Dynasty with, and uh, you know, they'd talk to me and tell me their stories, they would be there one day and then completely gone the next day when I would visit. And so it was this way of uh, just knowing that death is a huge part of life and also that they have the best stories oh and also that they're sort of like, neglected and forgotten you know um and and so there was a there was a grief to it without me having that word in my vocabulary yet there was a grief right. to it but also a normalcy and i think that uh you know the ha having elders is is important and knowing who your elders are and also looking at elderhood is not not just like you hit a certain age and you're an elder but it's a way of being in in the world um, and yeah, and so I could, I could talk more about it. You know, like, I, I think our elders need to be accountable. Uh, I think that there's, especially in the witchcraft and pagan community, there's a lot of like kind of insidious elderhood yes. <laughs> that goes on. Yes. Um, but then also that then there's like this need to like fiercely respect our elder teachers. So there's like, a kind of tension that you hold, I think, as maybe a, a millennial witch, which I'm not, because mm -hmm. I'm 40, um, but, but a tension that you hold between like respecting the elders and holding them accountable. Um, and, you know, looking at it like they, they've earned, a, a, they've earned through experience a lot of knowledge that they can choose to share or not. Yes. Um, and also that doesn't mean that they know absolutely everything and that they're completely infallible, right? And I think I come across that quite a bit with people, people message all kinds of questions and I am not the end all know all. I am still learning. I will always learn till my last breath. I will still be learning. But I get a ton of people doing that. Okay, well, I learned this thing from this person and this is contradicting here, but I don't want to disrespect my coven leader or my spiritual teacher by questioning it. And my response, and it may not be the best one, but I always tell them like, if it was me in a situation that it conflicted or I had questions, I would ask. And if, yeah. you know, ask questions. If you can't ask questions, then for me, your spiritual teacher is, is 
for me, it wouldn't be the right one. I, I need to be able to ask questions. And I think that's important for all of us that are learning, especially those that are first coming into it, because I, I can attest to it. I have had a spiritual teacher in the past that was very, this is my way or the highway. <laughs> and yeah. it didn't, it was, it wasn't a good experience, but it taught me a ton about, yeah. um, forgiveness and moving on and taking what you want and leaving what you don't. So, yeah. so I, I think that when you touched about the responsibility of our elders, um, I think that that also, that's a, it's a good thing that people don't always I guess, embrace so much. They're like, oh, well, you're, you've been doing this witchcraft thing forever. You must know all there is to know. And yeah. I don't think we're human. <laughs> yeah. We're a soul in a meat suit. We can never know all there is to know because we're human. Um, right. So I'll get off my soapbox there. <laughs> so, um, so you obviously are a word witch. You weave amazing stories. Why is this so important? to you and in your evolution as, as a soul on this earth? Um, yes. Uh, so writing is something that I've always done. Um, I didn't actually remember that I put that in the book that I used to write, um, at my grandparents' cabin, but I did. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, I've kind of been writing for as long as I can remember. And I just found like this, uh, this letter that I wrote to a boy when I was 12 and it's like, awesome. <laughs> nice. Those are gems. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Hilarious. So, so, you know, um, it feels different kind of in my body, like my role or purpose as a writer and then my role or purpose as a witch. Um, you know, writing feels like something that I do as part of my sacred work. Witchcraft does also as a teacher, but it's also like this way of, um, of being in the world. So, you know, I, I would be a witch no matter what I was doing or, or, or who I was or where I was. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, I guess I would be a writer too, but, but they're, so, the, you know, they're, they're both huge parts of my practice. My writing isn't something that I uh, always needed to be seen um, and read and, you know, shared by other people. And now it is, um, and and that's and that's good, and I love that. But it, it has sort of shifted the way I feel about like writing and storytelling in terms of purpose mm -hmm. um, and and like a calling. So I guess when you put the two together, um, writing and witchcraft, it sort of feels more like a calling that I was a little bit choiceless in, but not in a bad way. Right. Right. No, I'm glad that you weren't choiceless because I love these books. <laughs> I think there, I think there needs to be the storytellers without the storytellers. You were talking at the end of the book about how stories of before. So like when I grew up, I grew up in a Baptist Abrahamic religion type um, household where our stories were from the Bible and they were not changeable. They're not open for interpretation. They're not changeable. They're static forever, no matter if it's relevant to this world or not. And you speak about yeah. how, they, our stories need to be able to evolve and to breathe. And, mm -hmm. and that's the kind of storytellers that I hope keep filling uh, pages of books. I, I really mm -hmm. do because those are the stories that change us. Those mm -hmm. are the stories that make us uncomfortable because they do change and they make you yeah. think. And I was really appreciating 
that part when you were talking about it at the end, like that in particular struck me as something I wish, I wish a lot of more writers would, would embrace that the yeah. change and breathe and your narrative when you grow up, you know, I was told you're going to go to hell if you do this, this, and this, I'm going to get a tattoo. I'm going to go to hell. And yeah. that's, I'm sorry, but that's not true. Like that's not, to me, it's not true. It's, it's not a story that resonates with me or who, or what I believe the spirit, you know, is in my, in my belief system. I was not allowed to, to change beliefs until I left the house and to have children grow up with stories that could change, that could evolve. And you ask them, how would you, what would you do with this story? You know, cause the fables in those, in the Bible are, they can be great teaching tools for morals, for what, yeah. you know, moral teaching, but um, there's no open conversation about that sort of upbringing. It's just, it is what it is. So I really yeah. appreciated when you were talking about that. And I hope anybody who reads this book, like goes back and reads it again, read that, read that again. So that <laughs> you are really, really, I know of all things in the book, like I pick out the strangest things, but I really, really appreciated that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. The stories that breathe. Like if you think about it, the stories in the Bible are really cool stories. They are. <laughs> they really are. Like I've always read that. that. Yes. Yes. Uh, Not all of them, but a lot of them are really cool stories. But yeah, being able to ask questions. I mean, it's the same as what you were saying about uh, having a witchcraft teacher and being able mm -hmm. to ask questions and using that as kind of like whether there's a red flag, like you're not allowed to ask questions. That's the same thing that happens in religion and in, in uh, church, not being able to ask questions, which is yeah. why many new witches come to witchcraft because they don't want that. And so, you know, if they come to a coven meeting or something in their 20s and they find that same thing, that same like hard-edged uh, authority where it's like, don't ask any questions. And then that doesn't breathe for them either. Mm -hmm. Then, then they're, they might be a lifetime atheist or something. Like I have a lot of friends where that happened. Yep. They're like, well, I'm not a witch. I don't believe in anything. Mm -hmm. All religion sucks. All, all spiritual <laughs> practice sucks. Yes. Yes. And we can have a whole new episode on the church and controlling and the patriarchy, but I'll shelf that over there. Okay. <laughs> Cause I can talk forever about that. <laughs> Yeah. But you do, you speak a lot about empowerment. To me, your books are empowering. They give you things to think about. I used it as a journal prompt. A lot of the stuff you have in here, you could just journal about it. And how do I feel about, you know, this season or this moon or this change within myself? Like mm -hmm. I used it a lot to do that. And to, I don't know if you meant for it to be like a shadow work type book, but it kind mm -hmm. of evolved that way for me. Um, I don't know if everybody would have the same experience, but I sure did because I think it just was very timely. I have some weird things going on in my personal life. So it was very easy for me to see the shadow side because it was right here in my face. <laughs> so all of yeah. the things that I needed to look at, I was able to write about and get insight through the questions that you asked. You know, it was, mm -hmm. it was, I, I appreciate the timing immensely. <laughs> Yeah, thank you. Yeah, that's what I wanted. I wanted, you know, if people are comfortable just 
uh, not just, but if people are comfortable journaling, then they can do that and still kind of get all the way through the book only on the journaling prompts. If they're into the spells and the rituals, they can do that also, but it doesn't have to necessarily be that Mm -hmm. you're into the actions. Yes. Um, Yeah. I also like that in the beginning, you, I've never read a book where an author said, you can read it from front to back, you can skip to what resonates you in the, you know, whatever season that you want to start, whatever house you want to go to after you leave that, that middle house. And I was reading it and the, when you were talking about, okay, you're here in the center and these other hag houses are out, I was totally envisioning like the Lord of the Rings uh, map, you know, and at the beginning <laughs> when they the Shire, like in my head, I'm like, I'm going to travel here. So yeah. I really, really appreciate that. I love order. So I had to go in order or it would make my eye twitch. But, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I, I like that you, as an author, you're like, read it however you want to read it. Read it however you feel called to. And that was very unique. I've never read a book like that. <laughs> Yeah, thank you. That was very cool. So if you had to give a new witch, somebody that's dipping their toes onto the path, any one piece of advice, what do you, what would you say to them? Yeah. Um, one, okay, so my, my go-to advice for newer witches is that the first thing is your practice won't look like anybody else's practice and so the the first place to begin i think is to go back through your life chapters Mm -hmm. and so like all of these different stages of your life no matter how old you are go back through all of your life chapters and look for the moments in these feeling mind moments moments in time when your body, mind, and spirit felt like they were yoked together in one place. So these are fleeting moments. These aren't like, well, I lived in that place for two years and that was great, I loved it. Not that, like these like fleeting moments in time where like you're watching the sunrise or you're dancing or your hands are in the dirt and you're gardening, something like that. So look for as many of these moments as you can. Mm -hmm. And once you've done that, and it takes a while, this isn't something that you can just do in five minutes, but you could do it in like an hour or two. So once you've found all of these moments, then you look for the patterns within those moments. You look for the patterns within your feeling mind moments. So, and they're definitely there. Were you always alone? Were you always with other people? Was it always a certain time of day or often a certain time of day? Were, was there a lot of activity? like dancing, walking, movement, or was it mostly stillness? So like we all have these patterns that are unique to you. And so you can look for the the dominant elements. So if you have a lot of like forest baba moments or digging in the dirt moments, that would be the earth element. If you're like swimming or on the beach or in the ocean or something, that would be water, right? So you look for the dominant elements. Those become an important part of your craft, right? Um, and then if you're always alone, then maybe you're a solitary practitioner. If you're often with other people, then maybe you do want to seek out a circle or a coven, even if it's online, right? right? Mm -hmm. Um, so you look for what your patterns are, and then you start to build your witchcraft from there, from what feels like it's already yours. 
And then that way it doesn't feel like you're just like adapting somebody else's thing that isn't going to match what you like to do in terms of your spiritual practice. I love that. That's my go-to advice. Start with what's already yours. I I love that. I wish I was told that way, way, way back then. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Um, I have just a couple more questions. So rituals. So like my husband, before we, before he knew what I did and everything, you know, when, when I would speak about a ritual, he like automatically and would envision me like naked dancing in the moon or sacrificing something. And I'm like, no, it's not what it means. So to an everyday person, like ritual means so many different things. And for you, you kind of talk about ritual and how it is integrated into your life, your mundane life and your magical life. So Mm -hmm. How, how can somebody that's like a muggle, (laughs) is what I call my husband's a muggle, how can a muggle integrate ritual into their life and make that something that, that brings something into their life that's positive? Yeah, um, it's a good question. I think the the first thing that I might tell your husband is like to look for the rituals that he probably already has. He already has rituals, right? Oh, yes. And in the absence of like human beings are creatures of ritual, we do need it. And so in the absence of socially acceptable ritual, and if like, if you don't like my, my poem that I have in the book, where did the church let's go to sing? Like, you know, if you don't go to church, like where do you go to get together and sing with with people? Right. Um, So in the absence of socially acceptable rituals that feed us, we will create our own potentially harmful (laughs) rituals, like happy hour, like, uh, you know, a cigarette every hour or whatever. But, but, you know, like we create our own rituals that end up not being particularly nourishing. So what I, what I would say is like, first look for the rituals that feed you, that are nourishing, that you do all the time anyway, like eating dinner, eating breakfast, um, showering, like these is a ritual of cleansing, you know, so starting to look at these more mundane things as ceremony and the ones that you feel like you just couldn't give up that that are like you're unburnable like you couldn't you could not sacrifice this thing could you could you build from there um only in terms of the intention so like if it's a shower like if you get into the shower with the right intention like that can be a ceremony absolutely um So yeah, so that's what I would say is like you already, we already are immersed in ritual every day. It's just kind of looking for the ones that are intentional and being a little bit more conscious about what we're trying to to get out of this or or what change we're trying to experience in Mm -hmm. moving this this small ceremony of drinking tea or... Right. That's it. I, I use my shower as my, like, that's how I do energetic cleansing. First thing in the morning, that's how I cleanse myself, body and, and spirit. You know, I, I meditate in there and, and that's how I do my cleansings. And people that are like, I don't have time to meditate. and like, shower. That's where I meditate. If I know I have no space the rest of the day to fit any kind of me time in, I will take just a little bit of time in the shower and have the intention that it's cleansing my body. It's filling me with positive energy, you know, renewing me and set the intention for my day in the shower. Yeah. Cause I mean, it can be as simple as that. Yeah. 
Right. I really, those are my favorite rituals are the small ones. I'm a Gemini, so I love the extravagant stuff, of course, but I also really enjoy the things that make the, my mundane magical. That's how I find joy in my practice is weaving them in and out of things that I already do in my day-to-day -day life. Like you said, like having a tea, tea to me can be intention of my coffee. I'm a coffeeaholic. So yeah. co coffee for me is, is as a ritual for me. And yeah. I put little cinnamon in there for prosperity for the day, or if I'm already amped, I'm going to put some herbs in there to calm down. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I think a lot of times people think ritual has to be, you know, this Elaborate. thing and it doesn't, you don't need any of the things. I love all the things I, I do. I'm not, I'm not going to lie about that. I do like crystals and herbs and new gadgets, but it's all, it's all you. You can walk out into uh, your yard and do a ritual with just you and your yard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I think like everybody kind of craves the, a different frequency of ritual also. Yeah. Like, you know, some people do need like an mm -hmm. lots of everyday intentional ceremonies. And some people don't. Some people can go a month or two and just go to the one one circle a month or even season, and that's and that's sufficient for them, and that's fine. Yep. Um, I need it more frequently, but <laughs> <laughs> I would like to. I just don't have anybody. We do online things, and that's how we get to connect with like-minded individuals. We do online stuff, um, and that's about the only thing I get to do with people. But I appreciate it so much because I find I do. I've been a solitary my entire life, but because of the podcast, I'm able to connect to others, other like-minded people. And so yeah. we do gather and we do little simple things online together. And even just getting online and being able to talk to each other, to me, feels like ritual. Being yeah. able to do that once a week or once every couple of weeks and connect and, and have that energetic exchange with people that you find um, important to you. I think that to me, that's one of my important rituals that I, I really love dearly. Yeah. So yeah. I'm trying to think. I know that I have. So I had a couple questions from, a, I asked, I'm like, well, who, what, what would you ask your favorite writer? And the most often, um, the thing that most people sent me was, where do you get your inspiration? When you, before, pre, pre, inception how does that happen for you yeah yeah it's it's an interesting thing like i do i teach writing and so you know we're always talking about like the muse and what the inspiration is and i really only have bizarre answers for you bizarre um I, it, it, it depends on, uh, on, it depends on what I'm writing, but if I'm writing something that I, I'm usually writing, like that's a little bit more, um, you know, not academic, not like how to step by step, but a little bit more freestyle, I almost always begin with a myth or a myth from my ancestry or an archetype or something like that, that feels like it's very much part of the collective unconscious. Like it's just mm -hmm. running through the world all the time. And I'm going to tap into that stream of energy and I'm going to see what happens. Wow. So like the most recent, um, 
the most recent writing that I did was I was uh, revisioning the story of Maka, who's a Celtic goddess with a pretty sad story. And so I'm, I'm kind of like tapping into, I, I read all of these different versions of her myth and I was dreaming of her. <laughs> I was having all of the, these bizarre experiences where I almost felt again, like I had to completely surrender a little bit to mm -hmm. what she was wanting me to say, to what she was showing me, what she was wanting me to say. So there's that level of it where mm -hmm. it can get very much like I'm channeling, but also inspired by imagery and symbols and stories mm -hmm. that just feel very ancient and uh, of unknown origin. Mm -hmm. So you know, she was supposed to have lived during the first century. So we don't know that much about, right. <laughs> about who she was or, or what was going on then. Um, and then if it's not that deep, there's still this, this using something that feels very much like a shared, but also maybe socially shunned experience as inspiration. Um, that feels kind of darker or mm -hmm. a little bit scary because that's always like kind of where I want to go. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so so I, I, I'm looking to the fringes for my inspiration. That's right. my most my simplest answer. <laughs> I love that. So on the heels of this pandemic, so much, so much negativity and mirroring i believe is happening with society with each one of us um is this something that you feel like you could write about like is this something that um in the future you could tap into because you're just talking about tapping into like something like that is this something that you feel like you could do that and write about it and explain you know this to people yeah um i i have been writing about it i i think that um you know, no, nobody, no, anybody that says they know exactly what's happening right now yes. is wrong. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Or is grasping. Yes. Um, and I think, I think, you know, as, as a writer, it is important to write as a means of reflection. And so for me, it has been important to write about this, but not really share so much what mm -hmm. I'm saying. Cause I don't, I don't, I know that I'm in some circles looked at like I know exactly what I'm talking about all the time and I don't so you know if I were to write anything I would have to use that disclaimer that like this is sort of me waiting my way through right um it's a time of intense um uh con holding contradictions like you know on one hand I I'm an Aquarius so on one hand I find this time intensely exciting. Like, I think that this is our opportunity to really create a new world and compost the old and let the institutions that are crumbling and being exposed die. Mm -hmm. So like, this is the one hand. On the other hand, I know that it is, it is a time of great death and suffering and exposing extreme inequities in our society that have always been there, but yes. you know, it's making it more obvious and how fragile our systems actually were <laughs> being exposed. Yes. Like I have a 14 year old son and I was like thinking about myself at 14 and like, can you imagine like just not going to school and then like having this realization like, I never had to go to school. <laughs> yes, yes, yep, exactly. So, so you know, on, on one hand, I know that it is a really sad, dark, intense 
terrible time for a lot of people and also is like an exciting opportunity. So that's kind of the, the paradox that I'm holding. It is. Um, and so, you know, if I were to write about it in the future, in the after times, yes. which I don't think are going to come anytime soon, actually, no. it would be something like that, you know, mm -hmm. that there's like something strange going on. Um, one of my favorite writers, Bio Okomolafe, he talks about like, we really just have to use this time to get weird. Like, yes. how strange can we get? Yes. Um, <laughs> how, how, how visionary and strange can we get? And I'm like... I can get pretty weird. Yeah, <laughs> yep. I. That's what I've been doing. Exactly, and that's. I think it's been like at first. I really because I'm a total hermit, so I'm like whatever. I'll quarantine, um, and I started to get uncomfortable in quarantine. So I use that. I'm like, why am I uncomfortable? Like, why do I need to see people? Are they? Is it because I need validation? Like, what is going on? Why do I care? Because we're human. We want to see other people. But I started looking at myself and using it as. Okay, and this pandemic is rebuilding all of us, I think. Whether you realize it or not, it's rebuilding everything. It came in like a bull in a china shop and just destroyed stuff. Yeah. So that we can rebuild. So that's what I've been journaling about is how, like, there's a lot of bad things that I'm journaling about, but I'm also journaling about, like, the things that I can change about myself and how I see the world because yeah. it did change. I mean, it showed so much, you said, inequities in every level of our being here, our existence. Yeah. And how can I change that? How can, how, how can I affect my little space so yeah. that it, you know, the, the things that I see in my community that I noticed because of this, how, how can I be a part of changing that? Okay. And I'm hoping that other people are doing the same thing. Like, how can I change my family? Like I have a family dysfunction, you know, that kind of stuff gets blown out, you know, we're all stuck in the same house yeah. <laughs> so so when that stuff happened we are as a family working on some deep things because of the virus it's like a truth serum it's like it it infected everybody yeah. with with this thing and i've seen that in a lot of my my friends relationships um households communities it's amazing the truths that have came because of this so I try to do gratitude and I don't want to seem all fluffy bunny, but I do try to practice gratitude and I have to write down things, you know, that I am thankful for about this mm -hmm. stupid virus. And that's one of the things that I am seeing very clearly, um, things that need change that I didn't see before. So yeah. I'm trying to take that out of it, like trying to take that away. Um, I, like you said, there's so much death and so much destruction that I do, I feel like I bounce back and forth between being sad for humanity and wanting to cry and crawl in a hole and like putting on superwoman armor and going to fix everything. It's like this balancing act that's very hard to, to achieve yeah. right now. Yeah. Yeah. I know. It is. It's a, it's a weird time to, to live. Like it's weird. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and yet we chose this. Yes. We chose to, to be jump here in. for this. Yep. Right. So yeah. it's like, why? Um, when it first, started you know when, when it first was like oh it's real um yeah i i went went pretty deep and i asked my ancestors i was like give me something you know like give me give me <laughs> give me a message give me something give me a vision give me something i can hold on to yeah and the very clear message that i got was a lot of people are gonna die and a lot of people are gonna remember how to live yes and i thought like okay and you know that was like early March. Um, 
and I feel that. I feel that you know a lot of people are dying. A lot of people have are are on the verge of completely remaking their lives to be more true to what they want, which is a lot simpler yes. and slower and a little bit more isolated and removed. You know that they mm -hmm. kind of wanted that. They were looking for that somehow, just not because because you appreciate so much more being with people when you're with people yes. now like even like this even online it's like you know we would not we wouldn't have looked at this the same way before no. like an online meeting and now it's like oh i get to talk to somebody right <laughs> exactly exactly i my husband cusses the internet like crazy like he's like and it's funny i'm a techie nerd that's where i came from my like career background was a computer nerd and he hates like he hates social media and he's ah complicates things and so we're total opposites in that i'm like yes but if we didn't have social media during this there are some really great things that are coming out of it like i i think that we're able to support each other like i've learned that i can support my friend who lives you know 20 minutes south that i can't see because we both have you know we can't see each other because of quarantine but we can yeah. meet online and we can learn about new ways to support each other so yeah. for me and just her friendship her and our friendship has changed and deepened because we were separated which never would have you know i never would have thought about before and because of the internet we're able to do that so yeah. i'm thankful for it he's an internet hater whatever <laughs> <laughs> So the last question I have is the book. The book is called Seasons of the Moon of Flame, A Wild Dreamer's Epic Journey of Becoming. So what do you mean the phrase journey of becoming? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's, it's, um, it's about not having a goal or a box to tick or a destination or a certificate to get or anything like that. Um, so there's no well-defined ending to mm -hmm. any of this, right? Yes. Um, and that that's maybe the main thing that like, especially Western society has to embrace yeah. is like, you know, there's no, with with a spiritual journey but also education like all other parts of our lives there's no like linear run forward where it's like we're going to get somewhere and be done yes. right it's this even even when we die it's still just going to be like a door back in eventually mm -hmm. so you know that it's it is about the the journey and uh you know, and, and what the, the, the experiences that we collect along the way, the stories that we hear and tell along the way, it's about that and not necessarily like reaching some be all end all mm -hmm. apex or, yeah. I think, I can't remember the exact way you said it, but in part of it, you mentioned that being non-linear is one of the biggest rebellions that you can, that yeah. you can do, this just not being, in that state um so that that little phrase i that stuck out to me i was like yeah damn straight <laughs> like that right. and like what always happens when i say that is because this is our like you know dualistic thinking society is like if i say that if i say you know time's a spiral it's automatically like well, what do you mean? It's we know that it's linear time because we age and then we die, and it's like <laughs> can be both. I'm not saying that we're not right. going to die. <laughs> right. Exactly, exactly. No, I, I really, I really 
loved all of this. I'm going to read it again. Um, I was like trying to, I'm like, I've got to read this, got to read this real quick, you know, because I wanted to make sure that I, I got it all done and I did journal, but I'm going to go back and do the rituals. I really, really highly recommend this book to anybody beginning or not. Even if my muggle husband read, which he doesn't, he would actually enjoy this if he would just read it. Um, so thank you so much for putting this beautiful it is art. To me, there are some books that are words. This is art. Um, and I appreciate your gift that you're sharing with the world because you could be stingy and just keep it to yourself, but you're sharing it. So thank you so much for doing so. Um, I really, really appreciate you coming on. Everybody is going to flip because I haven't announced it yet. I have kept this in my pocket. So I'm very excited to share uh, your words and this interview with them. They're going to be stoked. Great. Thank you so much. Oh, so there it is. I want to express my gratitude just one more time for uh, the universe to allow this interview opportunity to come into my life. Um, literally, this is like me meeting my like writing mentor, uh, not mentor, but idol, like her style of writing and the fluidity in which she can form a single sentence <laughs> to me is absolutely magical. If you have not re read any of her books yet, please go to her website, daniellodolsky.com, and pick up one of her books. All of her links are there. She has classes. You can actually take class. She has a hag school. This is just so cool. I cannot wait to do a little uh, diving into those classes myself and experience expand my knowledge, my, uh, my experiences. I think that's always a good thing. So I hope you guys er enjoyed the interview. I thoroughly did. I'm still on that interview high. If you're a podcaster or do any kind of interviews, I think you can totally relate to me. <laughs> this, this, uh, experience has been amazing. I have some wonderful individuals lined up to be on the show in the next month to month and a half. Um, everything here is just, it's springtime here in Nebraska. So I've dove myself into my gardening and my craft. I've been creating like there's no tomorrow. So much inspiration. I'm a Gemini and it's Gemini season. So I'm taking full advantage of this badass energy that's surging through my veins. I am loving it. I'm going to take advantage while I can. <laughs> totally jumping on this. Don't forget to check out our sponsors. Go to Witchy Woman Podcast and then click on the sponsors link. It's got all of the information for Shelly at Lavender Potions, Rena at Healing Holistic Therapeutics, and Brandy, the eclectic, eclectic intuitive. Um, please check them out. Show their sites some love. They all have products and services to offer you, and I really, really think that you would enjoy working with them have also instituted Small Business Saturday in the Witchy Woman Friends group. Every Saturday I will make a post and post uh, the hashtag Small Business Saturday and under that post you can post your small businesses one link or picture so that everybody can check out what you got and we can try to support each other. I know financial 
situations are really kind of chaotic at this point (laughs) in uh, our existence in the U.S. So uh, let's support each other. Um, That will be just once a week, every Saturday, and I will make sure that I get a post up. That way you guys can, can share. Okay, so now that you've listened to a little over an hour of podcast, I want to announce a giveaway. I am going to send the winner a copy of Seasons of the Moon and Flame. I'm super stoked to do this for you. All you have to do is go to Daniel Dolsky's Facebook page um, and like her page. You have to like the Witchy Woman podcast page and then request to join Witchy Woman Friends group. Once you're in there, I will have a giveaway post and you just post done once you've done all of those things. And then if you have listened this far, I would like to reward you with an extra entry. All you have to do is message me this code word, which is HAG. So message me HAG after you've done all three things, liked Danielle's page, liked the Witchy Woman podcast page, and joined Witchy Woman Friends. That gives you two entries. I will put everybody's name into a randomizer um, and I will get that Uh, that's how I will choose or it will choose (laughs) the winner for this. Don't give out the password to anybody who hasn't listened to the podcast. I wanted to reward you guys and give you guys a little extra edge that are listening this far (laughs) into this uh, a chance to to win this book. So I will post that in the Witchy Woman Friends group minus the 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 code word. So anywho, that's all I got for today. I hope you guys are enjoying this. I hope you guys are having just as beautiful day as we are here in Nebraska. The birds are singing. The sun is out. It's actually going to be warm today. So I'm going to go outside and go play in my garden. All right. So as always, stay witchy. Bye-bye.